Awesome. Well, uh, I'm so excited you're here, and it's always good to speak on Christmas Day. Well, Christmas Eve even. On Christmas Day, we actually have services in Britain because we're proper Christians. Um, but Christmas Eve will do, I suppose. But uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful that you're here. And uh, I actually did some research in my, in my sermon and found out um, that there are a few different holidays in December. And uh, it, it kind of, as a Christian, I, I don't like it seeing happy holidays everywhere. It's Christmas. And, I, and, and so some people go, oh, well, we won't offend anybody. We'll just put a cross, Xmas. Well, joke's on you because X is actually the symbol of Christ in, in Greek. And so it's still Christmas. I'll take that as well. I don't mind. But happy holidays. It's not like December is rammed filled with lots of really important holidays that we need to celebrate. There's, there's just, just the three I want to mention to you. December 5th is National Ninja Day. You probably missed it because it's Ninja Day. And you can't see. Never mind. Okay. December 16th is officially, uh, my wife would like this, chocolate-covered anything day. They actually have a day for chocolate-covered anything day. Who knew? Uh, December 18th is National Wear a Plunger on Your Head Day. You think I'm joking. Right now, some of you are Googling this and checking up to see whether this is true. But those are just three holidays in December that people like to recognize. Uh, Well, there's something special about this Christmas. There's something special about the holiday that we as Christians celebrate and this community celebrates called Christmas. And it gets very complicated. It's very pressured at Christmas. You want to get the right present for the person, your loved one or, or your friend, to somehow surprise them with something that they want but didn't know they wanted. Think about it. It's actually really, there's a bit of pressure on there. Or you just don't care and get them a Starbucks card which, by the way, is still probably right up there with one of the best gifts you can get, in my opinion, and I'm not being sponsored by Starbucks, although I have written many letters to try and make that happen. It's, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But the, you know, the pressure to decorate, the pressure to, uh, for meals, the pressure to bring families together, sometimes that's difficult. Don't say amen. Sometimes it's hard when families come together. This, it can get complicated. So I want to make things very, very simple for you tonight uh, or this evening. I want to just... Look at one verse. I'm going to read the verse and then we're going to pray and uh, we're going to hear what the scripture has to say. It's Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. Just one verse, really simple, that sums up everything that we celebrate about Christmas. But unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that we can join together as a family and as families and as a church family to celebrate this wonderful time of the year called Christmas, the time when you, Jesus, came to earth as a baby and that, Lord, that was the best gift you could ever give to us. And, Lord, I pray that as I speak now, that, Lord, that it would be you that people would hear, that, God, there'd be less of me and more of you. And as we continue our time together, That Jesus, like we've just read in one of the videos, that you would be made much of. That is our heart, dear God, in your precious and good name. Amen. Amen. There's an ultimate gift wrapped up in this verse. This verse we just read. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The ultimate gift. Jesus Christ the Savior. It's the ultimate gift. I don't know if you have any gifts that you regret giving 
to people. I, I did some research of, of some gifts in the past and uh, who that actually go down as some of the biggest failures. And I just wondered, I thought it'd be fun for us to just look at four. And you can actually, you don't have to confess, although that would be fun if you've actually given this gift. Or maybe we should just confess as to whether you received this gift. Not necessarily at Christmas, just any gift at all. The first one, I'm sure many of you will remember this, and this was a huge hit, was Big Mouth Billy Bass. Do you remember this one? Yeah, who received it? Who gave it? Yeah, you, oh, it's two. And who still has it on the wall? No. Well, I think it was the, the thing that you kind of waved your hand in front of in the hope that it would kind of flick out. And I can't remember the song it sang. I just remember it being really annoying. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Pete. Take me to the river. Wonderful. The second one. Now, before we... Oh, he showed it. The Furby. Who, how many of you owned a Furby? Do you know that it, this Furby was actually banned from the National Security Agency in America? From them actually having it in their offices. Kind of makes you wonder why, in the, in the National Security Office, that they actually were had enough time to play around with Furbies, but these things were so annoyed, so annoying, they were actually banned from offices. How many of you had one? Gave one? Nobody. Oh, maybe, maybe Heather. Okay, one or two. All right. Uh, this one, perhaps the most useless gift, uh, which was Name a Star, and I just, I don't know if you've ever had a name, a star named after you. You could buy a star the thing was, the only place that this was actually recognized by were the people who sold the packages. The actual, I don't know what the department is that named star NS7-0 underscore 7B or whatever. That may even be a star and that would be very impressive. They don't recognize your name on that star. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you can't go, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, no, it's not. Completely useless gift. Sorry if that has blown somebody's major gift that they were giving tonight or tomorrow. Um, this one was my favorite. This was huge in Britain, uh, which is the Magic Eye book. I don't know if you had these in Canada. Do you remember this? Okay, so now some of you are now trying to defocus your eyes and see what image. I'm just hoping that it's a wholesome image in there because I didn't actually take the time to check. But I was teaching at the time when this was, uh, this, was very, uh, this was very famous for the kids in the room. You're like, you know, oh boy, what is going on with my mom or dad? But these were huge and there's a hidden image in there somewhere. And uh, our photocopier broke down in school that I was teaching at at the time. And so I thought it'd be fun, me along with another teacher, is it was spewing out all sorts of rubbish and it actually looked a lot like a magic eye. So I started giving it out to all the teachers, <laughs> telling them, this magic eye is amazing. And there was just, I had this beautiful image of a staff room full of teachers going like this, with this piece of paper that the photocopier just spewed out. It's the small things in life that keep me happy. But magic eye, useless gift, really, if you think about it. Once you've seen it, it's done, it's gone. For unto you is born a savior in the city of David. It, for unto you is born this day. It's a gift for you. It's, the, it's why we give gifts to one another. We're celebrating Jesus being given by God the Father to us on earth. And that is what Christmas is about. It's the reason we give the gifts. The fact that it says a savior implies that we are needing to be saved from something. 
And we say this word very quickly, but if you think about it, we don't need a savior unless we need to be saved from something. What is it that we need to be saved from? I want to suggest we need to be saved from three things, from from our, our past, we need to be saved from our present, we need to be saved for the future. The fact that we need to be given a gift, a savior, it also implies it's not something you can do yourself. Otherwise, we would have already figured it out. God looks into our lives and says they need help. They need saving. This is not something that they can do themselves. Most people believe in God. It's, very, it's actually a very small percentage of people who would definitively say, I do not believe in a God. Most people believe in a God. Most people believe in heaven. Most people believe that living a good life on earth will result in you being able to get into heaven, pew, at the end. But the problem is, is that the Bible doesn't actually say that. So the, the very text or the Bible that we reference when it comes to God and heaven That if we're really going to reference God and believe in the God of the Bible, you need to actually say what the God of the Bible, uh, you need to read what the God of the Bible says about himself. Most people will approach life like it's some large set of cosmic scales. These scales on one side, you have your good works and on the other you have whether or not it's going to get you into heaven, whether it's enough to counterbalance the things that you've done wrong in life. So if you've done good things, it will cancel out the not so good things. And if you've done bad things, then that might cancel out the good things. This whole concept of karma as well. It, it's in our psyche that we believe that if, we, if we're going to do, if we're going to uh, sort ourselves out, if we, can just, if we can just be good, then somehow God will accept us. That's not what the Bible says. We have some friends staying with us uh, right now from Britain. And uh, Chris in particular is extremely excited about a gift that he's been given. And it's called a selfie stick. I don't know if you've seen one of these things. So I thought it'd be fun. I don't know if we can do the lights. I want to take a selfie with with you all in it. So I'm going to try and sort this out without breaking his gift. Because trust me, he's... Oh, there we go. Positioning himself. Don't blame me. Okay, I'm going to put it on 10 seconds. So uh, everybody's... Oh, no, that's not working. Okay, let's try that again. I'm going to do this. I don't care how long it takes. I don't know if you miss your, wish, miss your meal or, or what. Um, okay. So, oh, it's because the credit card. Oh, okay. i got to switch around. Sorry. Don't mind me. Ten seconds. All right. And then I just press go, I think. Oh, there you go. You can see it counting down. So everybody lean in. Do, do your duck face. You ready? Four, three. Everybody lean in. We're... Okay, that was like one of you waving. We're going to do that again. Okay, this is part of our culture. You're used to it. Are you ready? Okay, we want those eight, seven. I want people waving right at the back. Okay, you ready? Okay, smile, smile, wave, smile, smile. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll edit that later, probably. One or two of you might not make the cut. I'm just saying. I'll make that decision later. Look at this thing. I, it's one of those things you think, okay, Chris, it's completely ridiculous, while secretly thinking, I really want one of those. <laughs> I believe that Jared Duncan can hook you up, right, Jared? Where are you? There you go. He's into his selfie sticks as well. The thing with selfies is the main place that they end up on is Twitter and Instagram. The beauty with selfies, and I will actually be Instagramming that later and tagging you all, 
So you can you can check that out. We actually have an Instagram account, WP South Church. Uh, we'll put it on there. But the thing with, with selfies is we have the privilege of actually being able to edit it before we put it up there. And so we can cut out, you know, the crazy guy at the back or whatever it might be. You can do it again. You can even you can even change people's red eye. And you can, if you're really good at Photoshop, you can Photoshop and edit. And you can do all sorts of things. See, the challenge is, is we think, and, and as bizarre as this illustration is, think about it. We think life is a lot like a selfie and, and being able to edit it. We think that, you know, I can just take that bit of my life away, that time when I messed up, or that time where I kind of, I'm ashamed of, I'll just get rid of that, I won't mention it, I won't think about it, I'll just edit it out. The reality is, is unlike an Instagram photo or a Twitter, you can't actually edit it in such a way where it ever goes away. You cannot fix that. It's there. And as human beings, we all have stuff, we all have things that the Bible says separate us from God. You cannot edit it them away. You cannot change it. You can't kind of hope that it won't be noticed. You see, the world is really clear, ironically, even though we think it's not this way. The world says, you know, if, you, if you're going to make a mistake, you pay for it. If you have a debt, then somebody eventually will call you on that loan. You know, you've made your bed, you now lie in it. That's, that's the way it works. You've been told, though, you can somehow fix yourself. And the reality is we can't edit ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. And we, and we know that. And this is why God tells us we need a savior because we need saving from our present reality for the future. We can't save this. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't, no matter how much self-help we we read, we can't get rid of that deep sense of knowledge that somehow something is amiss and we need editing. We need changing. See, salvation is being right with God and it has to be a gift. It's not a gift you can give to yourself. The gift of righteousness, the Bible says. It's, it's being right with God. And Jesus came and he took the punishment that we truly deserve. And we've got no problem with the idea of punishment as long as it's not us being punished. But Jesus took that, those things that we have done wrong, he took the punishment for it. And then, the Bible says, he gives us this gift of righteousness and it's free. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us in the present for the future. He deals with the past. Some of you need to hear this good news this morning, that those things that you have done in the past that are weighing you down, that you know you can't fix, that you know you can't edit out and just scrub out, they can be just done away with in Christ. It's the greatest gift that some of you need to receive this morning. For those of you who have received it as Christians, we need to celebrate it because that's the message of Christmas. The free gift of righteousness. Jesus trading places with me. And then giving me that which I don't deserve back. And saying, you're mine. And then there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Let me ask you a bit of a sober question. And it's one that preachers through the ages have been criticized for asking. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask it and I'm going to follow it up really quick. Okay. If you, you buckle up, because you've heard this, and you're going, oh boy, here we go. And it's not going to be as bad as it sounds. If you were to die today, where would you go? Now, I'm not expecting some of you to go and go, actually, I'd like to answer that question right now. But for some, maybe perhaps more than we'd like to think, people will answer like this. Well, I'm pretty sure that I'll get to heaven. I'm 80% there, I think. Because I feel like the scales are tipping in the good we kind of hope that God grades on a curve, 
I got a, I got a picture, I think, of a, a curve. We, we kind of have the low performer, average performance. We just kind of hope that we're in the high performance, we, that God will grade on a curve. In other words, that he'll look at this person who's really bad and go, wow, comparison to this person, this person, wow, we're, we're going to let them in. That's how we kind of hope. We just kind of hope that's the way God approaches it. The challenge with that is the gospel says we can never do enough, that, that Jesus has already done it for you. So let me put it this way. If I said to you, could you afford a house by the lake worth $15 million, some of you would immediately go, no way, and that would be me. There's like, no, I, I'm, I cannot afford that. Some of you might go, well, I need to check some of my investments. Maybe. But if I came along, which would be impossible because I don't actually have this much money, but if somebody came along and went, here's $150 million for you to spend on whatever you want, you would not need to check your investments to know whether or not you could afford the house by the lake. You would be sure. You'd be sure. If I say what is happening to you after you have died and in relation to Christmas, you might go, this is not a very Christmassy message. This is the core of Christmas. It's the gift that enables you to have that so you don't need to check your moral investments in life in the hope that the scale tips towards you being good enough. Because Jesus comes along and gives you the greatest gifts. You don't even have to check because you just know. You know that the price has been paid. He gives you that surety. One of the biggest hindrances in people coming to know Jesus or receiving Jesus as their savior is that they think there's so many rules. Well, you've got to do this. You can't do that. You can't look at this. You can't listen to that. You can't go there. Don't even think about touching that and don't smell that and put that down and this. And they just think, wow, so many rules. I've been thinking about this a lot recently and realized that the world has got as many, if not more rules that we all want to live by. You have to look this way go to this school, drive this car, live in this house, have this wife or husband, or have these successful children who are the future David Beckhams or um, Steve Nash's of the world. You've got all these rules that somehow you've got to feel like you've got to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on serving if in case somehow you fail. And we serve all these things. We're desperately trying to keep up. And Jesus comes along and says, look, You don't need to put your faith in all that. You don't need to keep on serving that. You don't need to be enslaved to all that. You can actually find freedom. You can enjoy that by enjoying me first. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest gift. See, he's worthy. That scripture says that he is Christ the Lord. He is worthy of being our Lord because of what he was willing to do for us. He is worthy to be made number one because of the magnitude of the gift. Those shepherds. And those wise men who came and gave gifts to Jesus weren't reluctantly going, oh, we are then. Suppose. They were willingly surrendering their lives and their gift to Jesus because they recognized the magnitude of the gift. I have got challenges sometimes, but willingness to serve Jesus Christ because I try and keep the magnitude of the gift forefront in my mind. And so therefore, I don't mind surrendering to him. I don't mind making Christ my Lord. It's hard, but my desire is there. So it's not about the rules and what I do do, and what I don't do, and what I mustn't do, and what I must do. I'm willing to do some of these things because he loves me and gave this gift for me. They were in awe of the gift. Friends, have you received this gift personally? The greatest.
greatest gift, Jesus Christ? Have you received it? The Bible says this in John 1 and verse 12, and hopefully it will appear behind me. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive him. Have you received Jesus Christ as your savior? Because going to church doesn't mean you have received it. Now, some of you are going, man, I was kind of hoping Christmas Eve service, that would be good. That doesn't mean you've received it. Saying you believe in God does not make you receive it. Being moral and trying to tip the scales doesn't mean you've received it. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior is even now he may be working on your heart and is actually surrendering and praying and asking for forgiveness and asking, God, come change my life. And then willingly surrendering to that. I don't know if you've ever been given a massive gift, a gift you feel unworthy of. And you receive the gift and you're like, I don't know what to say. It humbles us. Makes us feel unworthy. I don't deserve this. Sorry I didn't get you something equally as amazing. It's the same with God, that we come to God and we go, I don't deserve this. It's humbling. Thank you. I've not lived a life worthy to receive this gift of Jesus Christ, but thank you. That's receiving Christ into your life. Christmas is the answer to the question, are you loved? It's the answer to the question, do you matter? Christmas is the answer to the question, is there more than life than this? And the answer to the question is yes, because God decided to give his son, Jesus Christ, as a savior to each and every one of us. Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we we thank you and praise you for the gift that you gave to us in coming to the earth as a little baby, living life that we cannot live, and then dying the death that we deserved. We thank you, Jesus, that this whole Christmas message is one of love and hope and joy. And Lord, I pray that even as we just draw our service to an end, Lord, that God, that we would have a a sense of your presence in this place. That Lord, we would be in awe of the gift that it would humble us. And it would cause us to praise you and surrender ourselves to you and receive, Lord, just as your word says it. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful time of year. We have the privilege of remembering this. And Lord, I pray like Mary, we would treasure this up and we would ponder it in our hearts. In your good and precious name, Jesus. Amen. As we we worship and Sarah and the team, they've done a wonderful job. Thank you, guys. And the heat of the candles, pretty warm up here. Thank you, Maureen and the art project team for setting all this up. You've done a wonderful job. We're going to take uh, an offering, and and I want to tell you where this money is going to, because it's not coming into uh, the church, uh, the general fund of the church. Tonight's offering, as the usher team come round and receive that, is uh, is going to what we call the Caring Commission. And the Caring Commission is a fund that we've set up in the church, especially 
to meet the needs of families and individuals in our city that are, are struggling, whether that be that a young mum needs diapers for their, for their little baby or some food, or there's, there's lots of different ways that we serve the community, especially through the Hope Center in Rutland, connected to the church at 33. And then also it goes towards families in crisis who, who are needing, or individuals who are just needing a little bit of extra help and they need some counseling or some support. So that's where the, the offering is going to tonight. So as we, as we sing our carol, is it one or joy to the world? Brilliant. So as we sing joy to the world, then the greeters are going to come around and, uh, and take up that, that offering. But let's, let's offer a really good sing of this carol, joy to the world. And then we've got cookies and we've got apple cider and we've got good times to follow. And so uh, let's stand together and uh, enjoy this carol and we take up our offering. 